Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the world of golf. This week we have an exclusive interview with Nick Doherty. We look back on the WGC match play and we also preview the Valero Texas Open with Augusta just a week away. Hey guys, it's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark. And this week, I am not joined by Elliot Heath. I am joined by Sam Tremlett. How are you doing, Sam? Hello, everybody. Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Sam, this is your first podcast. Are you looking forward to it? Ever, yeah. Ever? Ever. Well, first. apart from the, a view from the clubhouse. Indeed. Which, a couple of times, so, so, yeah, Sam's been a part of our podcast for the last few weeks, giving his opinions and stuff. And with Elliot out of the office and very much out of our minds i had to draw someone in and who better than sam so uh welcome sam hope you enjoy it just you know just just enjoy it so what we're we doing this week we as mentioned in uh, in the intro there we're looking back over the the wgc match play there was also some wins for some other big players there was uh wins for stephen gallagher in the indian open and also graham mcdowell back in the winner's circle as well one thing i must point out because he's utterly useless, we do not have a quiz this week. Um, please do write in to elliot.heath at ti-media.com to complain to Elliot for being utterly useless. Yeah, normally it is my job. But... It is, yes. So Sam, it's usually Sam's job. Sam's usually really good at doing it, does it every week. <laughs> Elliot had to do it one week because he's off playing golf and uh, he forgot. So, playing nice courses as well. Exactly. Well, he's, yeah, he's a Celtic manner. Yeah. So. yeah. So, I can't wait to see Elliot on Thursday and give him a good kicking. So, um, yeah, but <laughs> do send any uh, any uh, complaints to Elliot. A little bit of an introduction about yourself, Sam. So, when's the last time you've been working? How long have you been working for us? You've been us for. Uh, I had a two week work experience mm-hmm. placement in December of 17, 2017. Oh, the good and old days. I, yeah, and then I came back. Um, February 1st in 2018. 2018. And you Originally, haven't... I was going to stay for two or three months, I believe. And now... And you we haven't been... Yeah, yeah, we haven't been able to get rid of you. So, so yeah, Sam works uh, for, for us and also for a couple of our sister and brother products as well, Rugby World and World Soccer as well. So he knows a little bit of anything. And what do you play off? What's your handicap at the moment, Sam? Oh, now this is a contentious subject. As ever, that's why, that's why I brought it up. put me under pressure there. I would probably say... Died? Come on, I, we don't want to hear probablys. What's your handicap? Come on. Uh... Six. Six. I think I'm being made to play off six next time. With I golf think I'm being made team. to play off six. I think you should definitely be playing off at least six. I've <laughs> played golf with you a few times. And yeah, when was the last time you played golf? Can you remember? Proper round or range or... I actually went to the range over the weekend. Oh, there you go. See, cheeky, so, cheeky. So when was your last round of golf? Probably a while ago now. Oh, crikey, ages My ago. My victory along with... There Dave we go. Taylor, one of there our... There we go. So that was... A, yeah, that was... So you, what you're saying is you're not a winter golfer, because we played Burnham and Barrow in November. Mm. It's now it's now April. And it wasn't winter golf then, was it, really? No, it was, it was nice. <laughs> so I've actually played more golf than you recently. But yeah, so Sam, sneaky golfer, watch out his handicap. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about some professional golf and the WGC match play. Uh, which took place in Texas over the weekend. Kevin Kisner overcame his demons of 2018 to win the event, defeating Matt Kuchar in the final. Kevin Kisner, of course, got to the final last year 
and got absolutely thrashed by Bubba Watson. So mm. he did something different this year. He said he said um, after his he match didn't with, choke after his match with Molinari. Mm-hmm. Um, he said rather than go to the range and like hit balls constantly, he went to his hotel, he went to the bar and got really drunk. <laughs> bar. He went to have a shower, relaxed a bit. And then arrived like he did look a minutes. little bit, a little bit less intense mm. this year. He got very intense in it, and he, he just he put too much pressure on him last year. So mm. he looked in a much better place. He's now up to twenty fifth in the world, and he's had pretty solid, if unspectacular, season. So he's done really well. But uh, the match play, I really enjoyed this year's match play up to a, the final day, uh, which we'll come on to. But there was, as ever, lots of talking points. Um, and the one that we probably have to start off with is the rules incident. With, again, yeah. another rules. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, with, between Matt Cooch and Sergio Garcia, which happened in their uh, quarterfinal, yeah, quarterfinal on Saturday yeah. evening, where Sergio uh, missed a putt, left it about six inches, went to tap it with the back of his putter, then lipped out. Lipped out and, then uh, out. and people thought, well, well you know, so it's fine. Cooch has given that to him anyway. Um, but then Cooch uh, said to to the ref who was with their group saying said I didn't give him that yeah. part and he's missed it what, what do we do mm. and the ref said well would you give it to him and Kucha said yeah, I was going to give it to him but had you give it to him no so in the end can't, Sergio can't you, yeah, yeah. Sergio was was uh, given a, a stroke penalty or whatever it was and he lost the hole and Sergio was not too happy about this kicked off a couple of times a few bit of verbals here and there and Sergio then went on to bogey the next two holes. Mm. And in the end, he lost the match uh, on the 18th green. So lots of chat about this. People saying, oh, Kucha was in the wrong for saying something to the ref. Others saying, oh, Sergio was in the wrong because, you know, he should have just tapped it in or he could have just waited that a little bit and Kucha would have given him it anyway because it's such a tiny, tiny putt. What do you reckon, Sam? I'm, I can see why people... Have taken Kucha's, uh, Garcia's side, sorry, saying it was Kucha's fault. He didn't need to go to a rules official, all that kind of stuff. Everybody would have assumed it was given. But I'm finding it really hard to not blame Sergio here because it appears like, oh, he's missed his putt and his frustration and anger has got the better of him again. He could have just easily yep. tapped it in. And, I'm, and that's or what I'm check, just yeah. check. It's, yeah. I, I, don't I, mean, why, I don't know why they assume. I, th- I think I think it would well, obviously would have been given. It was such a tiny part. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would have. It was about the length of the roll of you know one roll of golf ball. Yeah. So, but Sergio yet again he's had issues this year with his anger management. You know, he, attacking a bunker, attacking greens, greens getting disqualified yeah. mm. from a tournament. He he's got to keep his his passion, mm. which everyone loves when he's, he uses it in a in a positive way. He's got to keep himself in better position. Mm. He's it being you know he's in front of loads and loads of people, and my, I kind of with you on this. Sergio missed that part, got angry, went to tap it with the back of his putter, missed it. Sergio, you have lost the hole. Yeah, and now, Cooch, did he have to go to the ref? No, probably, but he's probably saying, "What are you doing here, dude?" Yeah, why why is it on Coocher to rectify Sergio's yeah. mistake? And it is very, it's a gimme. It is given to you. It's mm. a present from the other player to you saying, look, don't worry about that tiny part. You get on with it. Let's get on with the next half. And if you're going to be so quick to knock it yeah. out and make a mistake, that is your fault. Uh, and I think it's pretty bad form from Sergio on that incident and also the next hole, say, where he didn't get given a 13 footer mm. or whatever it was. And. Uh, and then having a go at Cooch saying, oh, you could have, could have given me that one and then it would have yeah. evened it up. And he also asked um, to 
concede, like asked Kucha if he would concede a hole, like a hole on, yeah. on the tee. I'm just like, I, I get why Kucha said no to that. Like, why would he give that yeah. up? <laughs> and, and, and a few people said, yeah, Kucha, he's seen as this guy who wanders around with a big smile on his face and he's a nice guy and stuff like that. But underneath that all is he's quite a steely character. You have to be a steely character to be a professional sportsman, let alone a professional golfer. And he was in there to win that match. And if one of his if his opponents made a mistake, I think he's more than within his rights to uh, to then take that to his advantage. Here's a question for you. Would you say the incidents for Kucha in um, Mexico with his caddy has tainted how people have viewed this scenario? I, I, I have no doubt that, uh, that that incident and how much he paid that caddy and what was agreed and wasn't agreed and all this malarkey. Mm, yeah. That's no doubt he has lost a few fans over that incident. And Sergio, whatever Sergio does, because he's so popular, he's Europe's talisman in the Ryder Cup sometimes, most of the time, you know, yeah. leading, uh, leading point scorer now. Of course, incredible Masters victory as well, where so many people were, were backing him. He's always going to have people, more people on Sergio's side than, than on Kucha's side. But for, for me, I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, mm. Did he have to go to the rules official? Do you know what? I didn't give him that. No, but there was a match going on. It's a big match, lots of world ranking points, lots of money at stake. Sergio, mm. behave yourself. Do you think Kucha saw an advantage? Like he did it on purpose, going to a rules official, or do you think he was? Well, he, he obviously went to a rules. But he, he definitely did. Do you think he saw? Oh, I've got an opportunity here to. Yeah, and no doubt, there's yeah. match play. It happens all the time. There's, I, there's been stories over the years. There's, I thought the commentary was hilarious. That all the people said, "Oh, McGinn go, oh, you know, I, I gave someone a, a really long putt on the, at the Ryder Cup. I remember I was in the Ryder Cup again." And then we, but there's always there's been lots of other issues at the Ryder Cup. There's happened Jack Nicholas where so when he was playing at Walton Heath, I can't remember who he's playing against, where he's playing a good match. It's all square. Nicholas hits a, a nice iron shot. The player goes, "Oh, what did you hit there?" And Nicholas goes, "Go get the ball, caddy up. We're one up," because you can't ask that. And I'm, you know, you can be friendly when you want to be friendly, but also, you know, there's some it's, it's serious win. professional sports. You know, you've got to win at the end. And if your player makes a mistake, breaks the rules. You know, get on with it. So anyway, I don't want to talk about Kucha Sergio and (laughs) and rules for the whole thing because we go on and on and on about it. It happened. I know they're laughing and joking about it on social media and stuff like that now, but, you know, it's it's done is done. There was actually some really good golf which happened as well. I want to talk about Tiger and Rory, that match, the match that we all wanted to watch on Saturday afternoon. And it was pretty exciting stuff, wasn't it? Tiger beating Rory as well. Who'd have thought that? Great. An informed Rory as well. Yeah. And it shows Tiger is in a very good place. Neither of them played that well. There was a few mistakes from them both. Mm. But um, they're both playing really nicely. And it was incredible that Tiger beat Rory because... That's like the perfect match, isn't it? Yeah. For like a lot of people. Oh, without doubt. I think if anybody... Whenever we... Uh, the biggest posts on our website, which we always yeah. see, are always the Tiger Woods ones and the Rory ones. So to have them both playing together at the same time is obviously... It's also huge. It's, it's people love them both, love them, hate them, whatever. But when they're playing golf as well, they're so good. They're so spectacular. Mm. Roy's driving it incredibly at the moment. Yeah. But Tiger's keeping up with it, yeah. you know. And uh, they both seem to be in a good place mentally. I would say, like they like Tiger. I've never seen him like smile and joke around so much in a two or three week period. And the whole thing, Kevin Nair at the players, that kind of stuff. 
and like um, like Rory made the joke, like when Tiger walked in a putt in their match, Rory goes back and says, "Oh, nice putt, Kevin," and like <laughs> they're joking around and stuff. Like they both appear to be in really good places, which is really yeah. good. Like they're, bo- they're both are playing. I think they both quite like. Uh, playing in the same group as each other as well mm. they both play at a good pace they don't there's not too much really? faffing about is there yeah. um, whereas you know looking at some of the other people who are playing um, I think I went and made a cup of tea for some of them people reading putts not naming names there. not naming names <laughs> there's a few well you know the, you, you guys if you were watching you'll, you'll know um, who the ones that are frustrating and who aren't and yeah it was it was fantastic the, the one thing I was going to say is that you know you're saying about how matey Rory and Tiger were mm. maybe actually Rory should have taken a leaf out of Matt Cooch's book here mm. and actually been a bit more you know be jokey but you've got to be a bit more steely under the surface and perhaps not chat to Tiger you know most, you know you're playing around a golf with Tiger Woods yeah. it's all, Tiger would, back in the day wouldn't have said a word to you yeah and, and, and Tiger did that you know they were saying uh, again a few times of commentary where some people hold a putt and then walk away to the back of the green mm-hmm. and get completely out. Tiger just, he's just lurking in the background. He's, he's only about 10 foot away and he just goes, oh, you know, I'm here, I'm here. And <laughs> I think that presence will be felt by him. Whereas mm-hmm. Rory, I don't think, did any of that. Uh, and maybe, hopefully, he may have learnt a few little bits of lesson here yeah. and there. I think that's the kind of thing that Rory needs to get on, think about with this game. Sergio was being was doing real gamesmanship in his a few of his games where he took about an hour to clear the leaves from a putt and then missed hit a dreadful putt I, mean, I saw one hole <laughs> but uh, so I think there's a, a bit more gamesmanship which I think Rory could actually um, get into his game I think so every we've seen it with him like hushing a crowd at the Ryder Cup he always seems to follow his opponent or play off his opponent whether yeah. it's Patrick Reed being aggressive to the crowd and shushing the crowd or being chatty and friendly with Tiger when he needs to be chatty and friendly um, maybe that's something that he can improve yeah. in his game maybe. take him to the absolute next level I'm sure, like they don't really get to practice their match play kind of tactics and no, stuff really do they no they don't but I think again, you could use some of those tactics in in stroke play as well. You know, if Tigers hold a holds a putt on in a it's in a stroke play event, and it's, he's in the final group with someone, mm. he, I bet he's still lurking around, going, "Oh, you know, you're playing me as well." So, does, um, it, does it bother you that all the players now no, are a little bit matey? Does that bother? Uh, you? a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. I do, do you want a bit of niggle. There right? is, a bit, I mean, Patrick Reed helps that situation quite a lot because he's got niggle with most of most of the world's golfers, isn't he? <laughs> um, whether that, oh, well, that's true or not, we don't know. But um, and even you know, I liked Kupka coming out and having a go at DeChambeau a little bit for his slow play. DeChambeau's not actually played very well since that then as well, so I don't know whether yeah. that's actually had an effect. But I like it that people speak their minds for the positive and for the negative. Uh, I think Tiger's been one of those guys. He he does hasn't always said amazing things in press conferences, but we're always fascinated by him, and he mm-hmm. does seem to take the sport Great. to another level. Actually, I am um, I'm reading that Tiger Woods book at the moment that we had in, into Sent the in. office. Yes, mm-hmm. and it is. It's not surprising to me that he was so kind of like narrow focused, kind of. Ignore everybody else, kind of thing on yeah. the course and in the press, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he, yeah I mean, I he's can been, recommend he, that book to everybody. Yeah, he's <laughs> been, co- yeah, being coached for a long time. Obviously, started off with his dad. Really, that you know, you're very focused on himself and 
whatever happens, just winning, beating anybody Three, at yeah. any, almost at any cost. Mm. The really that beating them by being the best, obviously, is, yeah. is, the, is the thing. So I still think that drives Tiger so much, to be honest with you. And uh, I can't wait to see more Augusta, but we'll come on. We'll talk about Augusta in a bit. So the one thing, other thing I was going to say about the match play, I really enjoyed the group stages, the Wednesday to Friday. I really yeah. enjoyed it this year. There were some really good matches on Friday where we didn't know what was going on in in the groups. I thought that was excellent. Saturday I absolutely loved with the round of sixteen and the quarterfinals. Really good levels of golf, exciting matches, birdies, eagles, the lot. Come Sunday, I it was a bit of a, a damp squib in my opinion. It was cold. I know the weather wasn't good in Texas and they were all a bit cold. But they I don't think they set the course up particularly well. The greens had completely dried out. They couldn't stop the balls uh, from, from going out the back and stuff like that. Um, and it just it just seemed to drag on a bit. Uh, maybe Kucha Kisner not exactly the most exciting. Yeah, maybe it's the, not the, the final we wanted to see, kind of thing. Um, and maybe yeah, and Bjorgard and and Molinari as well. Probably not the you know the most exciting. But what do we think that they could do to change that? Oh, I have a, I, oh, ha- I have I have a I have put a suggestion. I have put you on the spot there. I have a suggestion, and we're talking. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the women's game uh, later on the podcast. But how about we get another event being played at the same time? Maybe it's a women's match play or even a seniors match play. Mm. Something like that. Have another tournament going alongside at the same time. They could definitely play, they could definitely fit it in. I was about to say, how would they fit it in in terms of would they have their group stages, like Monday, Tuesday or something? I I think, especially when it comes to the weekend, if you think how many tea times there are in a normal stroke play event. You could definitely fit it in, even yeah. if it means swapping the course round so that they, yeah. the seniors or, or the women, would start on the on the tenth tee, mm. so for something like that. But I just think that they're missing out on a trick here, and I think they could make it into something really, really special. And I think it could give some of the older older guys or the ladies a really, really yeah. good good chance. Or you have a much smaller event instead of having the sixty four, you have the top 16 in the world uh, mm. or something like that yes, the uh, main problem is that there's just not enough there's just not enough golf playing. no no yeah. if you think there's there's four matches total on the Sunday yeah. all with the same players and they can those matches can be finished really quickly yeah. or it can just be an absolute and the third fourth fest. place kind of playoff in most competitions is a bit of a yeah, I, d- I understand why they do it. There's money yeah, involved, world agreed. ranking points and stuff like that. But really, it's there so they've got some other things to show to the final. Agreed. So um, I think that would be something interesting to, to do. Uh, there's also like, could they do, maybe change it into like a plate? You know, this in, they have this in rugby and rugby, football. Yeah. So if you get knocked out in the group stages, you've still got something. You've to play still for. got something to play for. Hmm. Uh, I think there's some other things. Could that, be maybe it would. There would have to be proper incentive to stick around because like mm. if you've lost or lost well to still get through you'd probably need to win one or two wouldn't you yeah yeah it's like it would take some incentive for you to stick around I mean they've changed they obviously changed it but they used to be straight knockout which I think a lot of people really liked yeah uh, they didn't I think a lot of people didn't like the 36 hole final yeah because uh, again it was just too too long again I'm glad they've changed actually I think the group stage is actually really good yeah Rather but now to straight get, knockout yeah they've got the group stages that means all the best players are now turning up yeah exactly. they all know they've got at least three matches yeah and if they win any matches then they're you know they're going to have something 
to take home. So um, I think there's a few other things that they could just do with tweaking about, which yeah. I don't think any of them would really harm the, the tournament. Yeah. I think it's a really solid tournament. I think the golf course is superb. I think they just lost it a oh, little bit on the. I was about the, to say, I think they could maybe change the course. Well, I think they just signed. They wouldn't do anything about the Sunday. I mean, there would still only be hmm. two uh, formats, whatever it is. But I just feel like it's one of those courses where I can't remember one hole. I I, I think I, well, I really like the bridge. I think that helps. I'm quite a big fan of bridges. Uh, <laughs> but I think the last few holes are really good. That uh, 16, that that par five, a lot of people had issues going for the green and coming up short in the bunkers. 17th, very short par three. So that actually. There's a birdie chance in there, but there's a bit of danger as well. And then 18, I think, is a decent hole because it's is drivable. But even if you get a lot of the guys were driving it too far, weren't yeah. to the green, and then have, leave themselves with a really awkward pitch onto the green. So I don't, I don't think it's a dreadful course. They get, I'm not saying that it's it's very well supported, which I think is such an important yeah. thing to make sure that there's crowds there when they're in the desert. Uh, a few years ago, they didn't used to have the biggest crowds there, mm. um, and I, I just I think it's not too bad. I think they've got got there for another four or five years. I think they just signed a new contract, so this it's, it's, that's not changing. It's not changing. That's not changing for a while. <laughs> but did enjoy it, and there were some other events as as I mentioned previously as well, which happened over the weekend, and with some European success as well. Uh, Stephen Gallagher won the Indian Open, his first win since the 2014 Dubai Desert Classic. He's been battling injuries and a bit of loss of form. Now, question for you. I know we haven't got a quiz, but I have got a question for you. So, Stephen Gallagher has played in seven events now this season. He's obviously won one of those. Good. How many cuts has he made? Um, so, out of those other six? Out of those other six. Made cuts. How many cuts has he made? Two. He's made just one, one other cut. cut, and in that event, he finished tied 67th. So pretty much last of the people that made the cut. So he's got some form. <laughs> so seven <laughs> events. This is why people say, well, how come you didn't pick Stephen Gallagher? Well, he's played, coming into Indian Open, he's played six events, missed the cut five times, and finished 67th yeah. the other. Got it's not, got it's not someone, something. yeah, it's not someone that you'd think would be suddenly able to get a win. But he played really decent. He had an eight, an eight. in the final round yeah, and seven. won. Yeah, he, he had an eight on the seventh and then had another bogey on the back nine but had six birdies. Yeah. I mean, that is... And, and when, he, when he won the Dividers Classic, he, Dividers Classic, he won a couple of times. He was famous for going on these fi- final back nine runs where he'd mm. sh- shoot 28 or 29. So he's very capable, obviously, playing the Ryder Cup as well on the back of those. Um, and It seemed like a day that... A lot of players were struggling as well. So yeah. to have six birdies... Tough course. I thought it was, re- again, a good course over there. There was a lot of pressure on a lot of players because mm. not a lot of them had had wins or, you know, a lot of them really yeah. wanted that. Julian Suri and Callum Shinkwin both struggled big time, yeah, didn't they? exactly. And it's one of those... It's, I, f- I thought it was quite an exciting finish. Uh, you didn't really have a clue who was going to win. And I think if he played for three more holes, someone else someone would have won. Else, yeah. So I always think they're quite exciting, exciting events. Um, I know it's not the strongest field on paper, but 
at least it was exciting and it was actually nicely timed just before the match play started yeah. as well so I thought a thumbs up for the dinner spectacular as well my son who hasn't been very well as well was very excited about there being a motorbike floating in the uh, the pond by the 18th green as I well I didn't see that <laughs> well he did he wouldn't stop going on about it but um yeah, it's great to see great to see Gallagher and Scott winning again, of course. But there was more success as well. On um, there was an event on the PGA Tour, and Graham McDowell uh, won the Corrales Putacana. I said that completely wrong, yeah, but Putacana exactly, whatever. Um, <laughs> and this came well. Not sure a lot of people actually realise this, but he won. He won by one shot, uh, beating Chris Stroud and Mackenzie Hughes, and that's his fourth PGA Tour win. But his first win since the OHL Classic at Mayakoba in 2015. Now, this means a lot to McDowell. Obviously, getting back in the winner's circle, um, someone who obviously has won a major on the US Open at Pebble. Yeah. Oh, where's the US Open this year? <laughs> Where is it? Oh, it's at Pebble. Oh, it's at Pebble. And, um, but even more than that, it now means he's qualified to play the Open Championship, yeah. which is, of course, and in all, Northern Ireland. Warport Rush. Yeah. So I think he was well. He was very emotional after that because he realised he'd opened a few more doors which had been closed. So um, he said after he was basically sick and tired of getting in a position to win and then throwing it away. Yeah, like it was always his his fault. Like nobody else kind of beating him kind of thing. Yeah. So McDowell, when I first joined Golf Country back in 2009, McDowell was one of our columnists. And he was at that time someone who's kind of not a journeyman, but he was just making his way on tour. And he turned himself into this fantastic top 50, top 25 player in the world. And he was he was just a money making machine, always making top 10s. Obviously had the, uh, the US Open victory as well. When he beat... Tiger in a playoff and not many golfers can say they beat Tiger in a playoff at the 2010 Chevron I think yeah which, which is World Challenge. which is a, was a very important event and actually you know I remember that very clearly because by beating Tiger it meant he got into I think the world's top 50 at the end of the year which meant that he got uh, an invite to Augusta, Augusta and yeah. that then opens so many doors because you start playing in all the high end tournaments yeah. you make more money there's more money available with more world ranking points etc and from that from about that moment really for you know for a good six seven eight years he just made loads and loads of money just did really well churned out the events didn't have as many victories perhaps as he should have done mm. uh, but very very popular player of course of course managed to get that winning point for the European Ryder Cup team as well uh, yeah. Celtic Manor, at Kel- wasn't it? At Celtic Manor, where Elliot is now. Hopefully, hopefully Elliot's fallen into a pond or something. And, Here's uh, a question for you. Oh, hello, Graham another question. And it's not a question. Is I'm this made, a quiz question? I made some notes. Go on. Expecting a quiz. Yes. Recently. Oh, um, cheating, are we? Okay. Revising, I'm glad you Revising, that's good. Not- go on, go on, what's, go on, what's the question? So, McDowell, he's obviously had a big jump. Where is he ranked? Like, What is his number right now? I think he's 134th. 133. Oh. So you did your research. No, as I just well. saw. I, I, it's my job. I look at these things. But yeah, so he's gone up, I think, from 250 to 130 yeah, something. 257 to 133. Yeah. So there's a big. I mean, he still is a, a way off from where he's going to want to be. He wants yeah. to be in the top 100. He wants to be in the top 50, obviously. But he's now going to be in a lot more. You're going to get a lot more invites. Once you've won, it means you've kept your card, maybe for one or two years. I'm not sure what the exemption was for that. And. Um, and it just means that you know you're going to get invited to more events. Yeah, you're going to get. I mean, in- he's got 
tournament of champions at least. Isn't he? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, and also, he's got a great chance. He, if he does, he's going to be uh, right at the top of the FedEx Cup at the moment. You've got a chance of getting the playoffs there. Yeah. Again, there's lots of world ranking points available. So, yeah, he's a, he is a really popular player. There's not many more popular players that I can remember actually over the last decade from 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 the UK. So um, really great to see him him do well. And talking of popular players, this is a great segue here. We have now got a bit of an exclusive interview with Nick Doherty, former European Tour player, now obviously Sky Sports presenter, doing a great job over there. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and Joel Tadman, one of our uh, writers, editors, what's this? What's Te- your technical editor. Technical editor. He's a technical editor. He's yeah. our gear guru. Gear guru. <laughs> gear guru, Tadman. And um, I won't call him the nickname that we call him in the office. <laughs> but he sat down with, with, with Nick to talk about all kinds of things, about his career and his future plans and life um, working on Sky Sports. And um, we've got an extended interview with him now. So sit back and enjoy it. So, uh, Nick, thanks for joining us on the Golf Monthly podcast. We appreciate your time, as always. We've just seen you hit some shots in the net there. You can clearly still hit a mean ball. Have you ever had any temptations to get back out there and play competitively in some sort of format? No, not really. Um, Mainly because there's a big difference between being able to do what I can do now and I can still hit... The good shots are just as good as they used to be. There are more bad shots and they go further offline. Um, Mainly because I don't get to play or practice really now. Uh, I don't miss playing on tour, if I'm honest. I love the game still. I love to play. I don't get enough time to play. I probably play about 10 or 12 times a year. but uh, And that's mainly charity events and corporate events as well, rather than games of golf with my mates, because of family and just real life, like everybody at home would completely understand. Normal life gets in the way. Um, but my life's moved on to something different now. Uh, I, I, and the reason I know it's right is because I don't go out on tour working for Sky and find myself, like, when I'm on the range or we have a studio on the range pulling a bucket of balls out and wanting to shell balls. I don't, I don't miss it. Um, it was a great time in my life that I thoroughly enjoyed, but it was uh, something in the past, and uh, I've moved on to something that actually works better for me and my lifestyle and my family now as well. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on a few things tour-related this year. Obviously, we've seen the new rules come in, and there's been a lot of high-profile incidents thinking Hao Tong Lee, Denny McCarthy. What's your take on the new rules and how they've been implemented this year, do you think? I think there's always going to be problems, um, teething problems, because some of them are fairly drastic. Um, in fact, yesterday I took my first penalty drop. Um, it's the first time I've dropped a ball at knee height. I, I, I didn't forget, but it was felt like a real novelty. It's like the whole game is all of a sudden completely different. Um, it's peculiar, um, and that's inevitable. The, the thinking behind the changes, brilliant. Uh, and I think the fact that the USGA, the RNA, these bodies that have been there for so long that could be the sticks in the mud are not. They're trying to modernise the game. They're trying to set a new way, set a new example, uh, and realise that golf needs to move with the times. I think we should applaud that and accommodate them and also show probably a little bit more acceptance of the fact that maybe they're not all perfect, the rules right now. And inevitably, they were going to put these new rules out and there were going to be some that worked really well and had a really positive effect. And there's going to be ones that are not going to be quite as positive. Um, You know, you look at Ricky Fowler in the WGC where he takes the penalty drop having shanked one OB on the 10th hole. Um, It's his first hole of the day, the way he was playing the course. And he drops it from shoulder height. And where we've seen a couple of guys do that already, 
but a rep or a player or a caddy has noticed and stopped and whoa, 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 you just redrop it, no problem. Ricky drops it at shoulder height, hits the shot because no one notices, not him, not his caddy, not his playing Which partner. Amazing, really, uh, they're not paying attention maybe. Like The caddy, I think, was in the golf bag, so he wasn't really watching. Uh, I'm sure if he was looking at Ricky, it would occur to him because now I look at people and I, I played with guys yesterday and two of them dropped it at shoulder height. And I, I didn't say anything because we were never in a knock, but you can, you know, immediately think, oh, dropping it at shoulder height, it's wrong. Um, but the problem with that ruling was there was no benefit to in dropping it at shoulder height. There was zero benefit. There's more benefit from dropping it closer to the ground because you have more control over the lie, right, from closer to it. So he didn't gain anything, but yet he was penalised for it. I understand why even someone with Rick, uh, like Ricky who... Uh, he's one of the really good guys and, and, and thinks through what he's going to say before he says it. Um, his great perspective on golf and life. He sounded off after that saying that I think these are doing no, there's no good for our game coming from some of these changes, which is quite outspoken for Ricky on something like that. I understood though the frustration of it because there was no gain for him there and yet he was penalised for something, which is an honest error. But the fact of the matter is it is an error with the new rules and you have to uphold the rules you have to you can't say oh well it's getting used to it it's fine you can't do that you've got to protect the field so I think where players have taken to social media and blasted the rules and said I don't like this I don't like that I think probably need a little bit more perspective and to understand that there are for the good of the game there will be amendments there's an opportunity to discuss them and say I'm not sure about this I don't like that they will address it, they will make a decision in the end whether or not they think, okay, we hear you and we'll change it to make it slightly different, or they think, no, we like it as it is. And dropping it knee high, for instance, that rule, which a few people have spoken out on, uh, is one of those ones that I think will probably stay. The caddy lining up is an awkward one. I think the rule would have been better off written as you just cannot line up a player. Um, or be lined up from, from on that line of play. Um, oh, sorry, you cannot be lined up. Uh, because once you start getting into being on the line, it becomes a grey area then. Um, and I think, if I'm honest, I, I've never seen a man be lined up before. I think it came mainly from the women's game, where we do see quite a lot of female players being lined up uh, by caddies. I understand the rules wanting and the governing bodies saying we, we need that to be a skill of the game. Yes, absolutely. Being able to align yourself should be a skill of the game. So I understand the thinking behind the rule, but just make the rule that you can't be lined up because it's a sad state of affairs if we have to worry about the fine coded ways to be able to check it and do it. And it's obvious when someone's getting help with their alignment. It's very obvious. So if you made it as simple as that, we know when someone has broken the rule, we know when someone hasn't, and then you get away from the Hao Tong Lee situation where he clearly isn't lining him up. We get away from um, Denny McCarthy, Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas, you know, were again part of a conversation. They didn't get penalised. And I'm trying to remember the name of the player at uh, Honda that we covered. Adam Schenk from the bunker clearly not being lined up. Is Cully speaking to him? So it's where the rule hasn't quite worked. And they're the sort of ones that I think they'll address, fix, change, find a way to make it work better. It's kind of an extension of this of that question about the rules. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on slow play. Is slow play really a problem, or is knocking 20 minutes off a four-hour 50 round really going to change the game? At all? 20 minutes won't, but it should be more than that. So it's. Um, I was chatting about this with a guy this morning actually in the gym because we were talking about and I hadn't seen him in a long time. I said, are you playing? He said, I don't play anymore. It's too light. I said, I can't justify the time. I said, well, how did you used to justify the time when you were playing? He said, well, it used to take three hours. He's right. I go and have a knock at Wentworth 
on the west course, uh, which is a big golf course, I never take more than three hours. From, uh, if, and if I got my own, I'm closer to two hours. And I don't run, and I don't drop the bag, pulling out a club halfway down the fairway. I just get ready, get there, hit, get my bag, walk, hit, get my bag, walk, hit. And that's how golf's supposed to be played. It's taking way too long now. It is an issue. Um, and the players are the ones that have to do something about it. So many of them just aren't ready to play. They'll start their conversation about their shot once it's their go. It's disrespectful to your playing partner. And you know when the guys who are quicker, like Rory, speak out about it, I 100% have their backing. I find it really quite offensive because it's selfish um, and it's disrespectful to the rest of the field to do it. And also, it makes the game hard to watch. From Sky Sports' point of view, when you watch them on the telly, and you tune in to watch, and you watch two hours of golf, and you see five holes. There's not a story in that. Two hours of golf, you should be in two balls especially, you should be getting pretty much nine holes in, uh, even at tour standard. And that's much more of a story. And when the game is quicker, when you watch it on TV, the story flows better as well. So for people's enjoyment at home, it has a big impact. So it is a problem. Something that really fascinated me from the players, I'm guessing you saw it, was John Rahm's second shot on the 11th from the bunker. Did you yes. see this? When his caddy clearly was trying to make him lay up, he decided not to hit in the water and then blamed his caddy for doubting his mind over the shot. I mean, I wanted to get your take on that. And also, have you ever had any situations with your caddy when you played on tour where you disagreed with his opinion and did you have any arguments, yeah, things like that? absolutely. That's what a good caddy's job is. I think in that situation, the caddy got a lot of praise for him making the right decision, but he didn't actually act on the right decision. He let John hit the shot. I mean, John made it very difficult, and he, no, no, I don't like that, I like this, because if I do that, and he went, okay, and then he, we all saw the shake in the head, and so he's, he's telling all of us at home, this is the wrong play, well, that's great, but that doesn't really affect what John Rahm's going to do, does it? The man who needs to know that this is a ridiculous play, John, is John Rahm, and then it's all on him to do the right thing. And if he felt uncomfortable and it felt made him uncomfortable, that was the whole point of what the caddy was trying to do. It's like, this is the wrong shot, man. Put the club away, stop being a wally. Play it down the fairway like every smart player would do in this situation. Cost him the tournament. Um, and, and so for me, that was where the caddy, and, and this is just my impression, I'm sure he wouldn't like to hear this, the caddy himself, but the fact is I don't think that was the best piece of caddy I've ever seen. I think his sentiment was correct, but he needed to have the courage, um, uh, or maybe he thought uh, that would have put him in a bad place. If that's the pro if that's the case, and it's more about he's worried about how John would react on the back of it, then John's got some stuff he has to work through because that's the point of a great caddy. That's what Billy Foster did for donkey's years with Lee Westwood, and one and Steve Williams. I mean, think about the power of Tiger Woods. Steve was the first guy to put the hand. In, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. And find a, an, a right way to challenge the player to say, actually, this isn't right. Just think about this for a second. And we've all done it. I've had it loads of times through my career, and I've been lucky enough to have great caddies in my bag. And also, it's a caddy's job to tell you some home truths sometimes. I remember uh, Stretch, um, Ian Moore, my caddy called Stretch because he was nearly seven feet tall. Um, he made me look like I was five feet for most of my career on tour. And the, um, we were playing two weeks, the week after I'd won in Singapore. Two weeks after I'd won in Singapore. And uh, life should be, uh, I've just won on tour, life's supposed to be amazing. And um, I'm playing okay, and then I make a bit of a mess in the second round. I'm a bit tired or whatever, and I start sounding off. Oh, what's the point? You're a waste of space. To me, to myself, my self-talk was horrific. What was the point of even being here? You're taking up a spot in the field. Being a proper prat, you know what I mean? Like horrible to play with, probably. Um, and I used to get on myself like that. And he stopped in the fairway, and I said, well, what have we got here? And I'm in a foul mood. He said, you know what? Come on. 
and he picks up the bar and he starts to turn what he's come on what are you doing i was he's like let's just go in i was like it's wasting your time you are you're right you're playing awful there's no point being here what a waste of everyone's time pick it we'll just tell them we're going in you're wasting my time your time everybody's time let's just go in i was like but no no we're not going to go in are we he goes well why are you sounding off like that it's just a wait what are you doing you look like an absolute i can't say the words he said but he effectively told me how stupid it looked and he was right and I, so at the time i'm livid and i hit the shot on the green and i was on the cut mark at the time i looked like i was going to miss the cut so i hit it on the green and i'm seething so i won't speak to him chucking the club like that but all the way up there i realized oh, he's right he is right, I'm being an absolute burk and it's like, I'm, it's embarrassing actually, as if my mum was here, she'd just, I mean, she'd be shaking her head and, and so I get up to the green and, and then he's just stood there waiting for me to speak. I went, okay, 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 you're right, okay. Anyway, I nearly won the tournament. I came second to Johan Edfers in the tournament at the end of it and it was, so my caddy there challenged me in a way that he, there's a chance I'd have said, mate, I think we've had enough here. I would never have done that because he knew me as a person. He knew that, okay, look, he's acting like a Wally now, but that's not who he is. I need to get him out of that because he's going to miss the cut mm. if I leave him to his own devices here. And he's not strong enough today. I need to be the strength for him. And so he stood up, took it on, and risked you know, me having a real go at him. And in the end, he nearly won me the tournament. I remember saying to him, still, of all the things that we did together, that was the greatest piece of caddying that anyone ever did for me in my career. I guess it just highlights the importance of a good caddy. And saying the right thing at they're the right not, but the great caddies are not bad carriers. You know, the great caddies are every bit as important as the guy hitting the shots because they can change the way their minds work and influence the direction of a tournament and at just the right time, given the right information. Sometimes that's a kick up the rear end. Sometimes that's an arm around the shoulder. Um, but the great caddies know exactly which one it is at which situation. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Butch Harmon, obviously fellow Sky Sports commentator. You're retiring from Sky Sports, you know, tour, uh, coaching on tour as well. Uh, what unique qualities did he bring to the table uh, in terms of his broadcasting? Uh, I, do, I don't know that much about that whole. I saw some of the reports about that. I haven't heard, seen that confirmed. I don't know if you have, but I, I haven't seen that confirmed yet. But that's a real loss if that is the, the absolute case, which I'm sure you'll know more in the next week or two. But um, it's a massive loss for us. He's sort of like a voice, a bit like Livo. So David Livingston was the same. I see those two together and seeing them having worked for, well, having been a player and known them and worked with them, um, but also having been a broadcaster for the last few years and known them, worked with them. They're very professional. Um, but the, what they bring to the table in terms of their experience, Livo always asking the right questions. Butch never, ever, ever afraid to answer a question never afraid to say that one of his players isn't up to scratch. Uh, and a player might not like that, but I think one of the things that the players admire about Butch is that he'll always be honest with them. And that's one of the reasons he's a great coach, is that he won't sugarcoat it. This is how it is. This is what you need to do. And uh, for me, he's uh, an incredible man. He's an incredible coach. He's an incredible broadcaster. He's a great storyteller. Um, and he's punching to the point. And I think in broadcasting, that's quite hard because in the end you put yourself out there, not, and it's not even about the people watching at home, it's about the people you're talking about, who you respect, because anyone who put, operates at that level of playing in major championships means you're a, a proper player. So to have to criticise someone like that sometimes, it's not a nice thing to have to do, but it's your job. And that was Butch's job all those times, even when it was his players like Dustin Johnson or Ricky Fowler. Um, and it doesn't always go down well, but to be fair, he's done it all. And in terms of, does he have the credibility to be able to call these guys out more than he's won more majors than any of them? Uh, we see you a lot at the Sky Car interviewing players after 
they're normally in a good mood because they've had a good round. I mean, which players do you look forward to the most coming to chat to you at the Skycar and which ones are maybe a bit, bit frosty? Well, I'm clearly not going to tell you the frosty <laughs> ones, um, but the, uh, the ones that are a lot of fun to have at the, uh, at the cart. Tiger's always fun because you never quite know what you're going to get with him. Um, you have to be on it. I like the challenge he presents, which is very much as he was when I, you know, I knew him as a player and when I played with him. Is uh, he won't always say the, it won't be the answer you expect, which is maybe why he's different to all of us. So I generally know whenever anyone comes to the car what they're going to say because I know the answers to the questions. Right, that helps me ask the questions because I think well, this is what he'll probably feel, and of course there'll be slight differences to what he will feel because this is him, not me. But I have a rough idea of how he's thinking and what happened and why he did that. And uh, whereas Tiger, you're never quite sure where he's going to go with it. And if you make a mistake uh, or um, the question isn't a great question, he, he'd, he'd let you know. Um, but at the same time, when is a nice feeling to help him Tiger light up because he's so engaging when he does and he really gets into talking about the game. And you see it sometimes, that broad smile comes across his face and it's quite rewarding actually um, interviewing him and that. Rory McIlroy is amazing to interview because again, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And as much as in the game, so much of psychology is about protecting. The media is sort of like, whoa, uh, don't let them in. Tick the box, straight back. Oh, you know, one shot at a time, just got to stick to my game plan. Tomorrow's going to be exciting. Whatever happens, happens. You know, those sort of, you know, sort of oh, wake me up when it's done answers that we get occasionally. Yeah. I get why those come. I get why they do that. I understand not wanting to put themselves out on the line. Rory always puts himself out on the line. This is what it means. This is how much it hurts. And that is one of the reasons why I think we have so many fans and why they love him so much. It's one of the reasons we love Eddie Pepperell, because he speaks his heart. Tommy Fleetwood's the same. You know, I think Tommy, very honest and open. When it's been a bad day, he'll say just how bad it was. And I think because of that, we can relate to them. And for me, that's what makes the great interviews at the car are the ones who open up and show, bear their soul. And I've always thought this from my own playing as well. There's nothing more empowering than showing your weaknesses. Because if you're happy to talk about them and say, well, this wasn't very good. And I've always been happy. I mean, and I had plenty of them. And, and uh, you know, where my game went wrong, it was really bad. And it was very cathartic for me to actually say how bad it was. And so this is how I felt. Because that's what normal people do, right? It doesn't make me less than anyone else. might not make me as good as some of these really tough guys at the top of the game, but I'm not them. I am who I am. And my ups and downs sort of make me the broadcaster that I am and, and my style of it too. And I love being able to see those guys who are happy to, to talk about the ups and downs in their game. And we're very lucky. There's still a lot of those characters. I mean, I know a lot of people think they aren't there. Ricky's another really great character. You know, he's fun and he's playful. And um, in the end, the interview is about their golf. We want to know how he hit that six iron into that back right flag. But we also want to see them as people and know what makes them tick. And so that for me, that's what the better ones are. You mentioned Tiger there at the start of that answer. Um, where do you rate the state of his game at the moment? And do you think he can win another major or is that a level too far for, for where he is? Uh, well, I'd have said definitely not. I'd have said he's definitely not going to win a tournament about a year or so ago. Um, I'm a massive Tiger fan and yet no one was more surprised than me that he won the torture. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I think it's arguably, his, I mean, of all the things he's done, and I've been there firsthand to see some of them, uh, it was arguably the best thing he's ever achieved. Because to, to, be, to be the golden golfer of an era possibly of all time you know depends how you measure that <laughs> but the um arguably in a, in a moment in time the best that golf has ever been played was by that man 
to have been that and everyone, uh, including myself, and, and the mentality was, if he's there, you won't win. You, you might come second though, which would be awesome, but you can't win when he's there. And he will win most of the time. And people would just fold like cheap suits around him because it's like, oh, tired. So he'd end up in the front and close out those taunts because he, him, but also there's like the superhero, you can't beat him, he's a superhero. Um, so to, and he would have obviously, that's powerful, right? When you walk on the tee. Um, peerless, really was. Two being with everything, off course, on course, injury, everything that went with what happened. And all of a sudden he's a normal human being, but actually with the things that went wrong being really public, and I know that's like uh, to a much smaller degree than Tiger over different stuff, whether it be family or the deterioration of your golf game, where everybody's analysing and saying this is what he's doing, oh God, and then everyone looks at you like you've got an illness. You know what I mean? That's how people treat you. But it, 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 him, it was like that. Oh, it's hard to see a guy like that. And even me, I find myself thinking, I don't want to watch him go out like this. I used, to, I used that line before I said to people, I don't want to see that. Like, I, as much as I love Arnie Palmer, I, don't, I didn't want to see it. I want to watch Arnie and his charisma and him bouncing around and hitting an opening tee shot at the Masters, but I don't... I didn't want to see him shoot 83 or Seve shoot 83. Oh, no, they're legends. Leave them at the Faldo. Uh, Nick did really get out. I can't do it anymore. I'm out. I thought, that's Tiger. And he's like, and all these folks here. I beat him once in my entire career at a tournament. Once at a tournament. It was the Open at Turnbury. And he, um, he missed the cut and I made it. He'd probably, if he had four rounds, he'd probably beat me still. But um, you didn't get to beat him. And so when you did, you did beat him, and if it was over 18 holes, which obviously I did on numerous occasions, it really meant something. You'd always check what he shot. Whereas now everybody was beating him, so to be and to have that uh, and come to terms with when you were the other guy, and then come through that with chipping yips and driver, I uh, uh, just awful, like not even Tiger Woods anymore. To then be able to go out and win the Tour Champs, and nearly win two majors that year, uh, I, I can't even I can't understand. I can't explain. I, I like to think I understand a lot of the answers to why things happen in golf. I don't know that. I yeah. just don't get him, and because of that. As much as this year has been slower to start, he hasn't really found his groove yet. Um, I, I think he's more than capable. And you think about the venues he's going to go back to this year, he is more than capable of winning one of those major championships. The big question would be if his body is, because uh, we don't know, we can only take what he's telling us, is his body where he says it is? And if, it, if it's okay, then, then I think he has a chance. You're off to the Masters soon. Uh, other than Tiger, are there any players that stand out for you as potential winners? Rory. So my pick at the start of the year was Rory. Um, I, I know how much he wants it. I don't think necessarily Augusta is the perfect fit for his golf game because his big asset is his length and accuracy off the tee. Um, length, obviously, is still an asset at Augusta National. Accuracy less so because the fairways are enormous. So the less accurate drivers, Phil, for instance, hits a lot of fairways at Augusta because it is wider. So one of his big strengths is taken away. Distance control uh, with his irons. He's, when he's on, he's brilliant. When he's not on, it's not one of his strengths. Um, and we know as a putter, he's a streaky putter. So when he's good, he's good. And when he's not, he's not brilliant with the putter. But when it all comes together, it's fantastic. I just feel like it should have been the first major he ever won. And of course, it didn't quite happen because of that back nine. Um, he will win there because he's just as, as a golfer alone. He is amazing. There's something about him, and I question all the time now because I'm one of the guys that always said when Rory's at his best and Phil and uh, not Phil um, Jordan and when Jordan was part of that conversation, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, when they're all the best, Rory's still better than them all. 
And because of how it's gone for the last year or so, you found yourself having to reevaluate. Is that actually right though now? Because when is he at his best? Because it's been a while since he strung it all together. The wedge play was really not good compared to the rest of it. He worked so hard in this off season, uh, and he's bearing fr it's bearing fruit. I mean, look at his run of performances now, including the win, obviously, at the Players. He is the most informed player, and his confidence is building, and hopefully the ethic that he's put through this season will continue. So for me, he is the favourite going to Augusta. It's just such a hard golf course to win around when you think about the depth of the field as well. Nick, as always, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. So great insight uh, there from Nick Doherty. Really good interview uh, from Joel there. Um, Sam, Nick Doherty, he's, he's really making himself something on Sky Sports though, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's really good. Like The level of insight he provides um, during broadcasting is really good. And also now that Butcher's left... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come into the studio kind of thing. Yeah, and because he, he he's not only a, a really, he's a really decent presenter. He's obviously had a lot of training. He obviously does really well. Agreed. Yeah. But he's obviously got great insight because he's been on tour. He's really good technical stuff. Some of the coaching bits that he does in the sky as well. Really good advice, and he's a really good player. Dad. Yeah. He should, it's easy to forget. He that, should still be playing. Yeah. Really, and he ideally in his mind, How old is he he, he he must be late thirties, early forties. Yeah. So he he's decent player, very good player in actual fact. And he's I think going to be the next. He's going to be the next stage. He's going to we're going to see him a lot more on screen yeah. and stuff like that. That's so um, no, great great insight there from Joe. And Doherty may be uh, presenting or at least keeping an eye on this week's event over on the PGA Tour. There's no European Tour event this. year this week because we are just well, well a week away from Augusta would you believe it very exciting <laughs> and uh, so this week is the Valero Texas Open uh, Ricky Fowler 9-1 to one, and Matt Kuchar 14-1 to one are the tournament favourites this year uh, Andrew Landry won last year which was a bit of a shock and he is playing again this week and he's 80-1 to one. so if you fancy him it's pretty decent odds anyone that you've seen the field who's standing out before I give my tips um, Fowler Kucha? I, I think it's bold to go with Fowler. Like, I'm a huge Fowler fan, but like, I know he won this year at the Waste Management, but it wasn't exactly an imperious no. fashion, was it? Yeah, and I think I do think it's always tricky this week before. People yeah. like to play it, they like to get in some kind of form, mm. make sure their game's in. Why did he not play... The match, match play, play, yes. Well, I think, and this is going to be coming to my point, that Kucha's obviously had to play seven rounds... Mm. He's going to be pretty tired coming yeah. and then play again this week to go straight into Augusta. That's pretty tiring, in my opinion. I know it's in Texas and it's only about yeah, 45 minutes yeah. drive from where they were playing. So, And these are is their job. Yeah. We thought Rory was going to tee up this week, but he has decided not to play. We were, Originally, we thought that Rory was going to try and play the week before every major to get into form, but he's decided against it. So my tips this week. So I had another second place last week. I, if... if you could put money on all my tips finishing second, you'd absolutely make fortunes. So I had Cooch are last we, week. Are we going to mention the... No, we're not. So we're let's not. Not, No, someone picked Kisner in the office in the and we're office. not going to talk about it. Okay. So I had Cooch last week, you're second. I had Ustays in the week before that, even in second. But this this week, I'll go for someone who always finishes second as well, I just realised. And that's Tony Finau. So he's 16-1. to one. He was tied third there in 2017. He's been playing pretty decent golf recently. Uh, got kind of... Ran into Kisner at the match play, yeah. and knocked him out. 
And you know, he was one of the big stories last year, Augusta, uh, that hole in one and then dislocated his ankle and then finished top 10 still in the event. So yeah. He was a top 10 machine last Indeed. year. Indeed. So I think um, he's he hasn't re- he's done all right this year. Mm. I think this is his last chance to get some really decent form. He's my first pick. My second one, Jason Kokrak, 28-1. to 1. Two top 15s in this event previously. And he was second in the last event he played in, which was the Valspar. One of those guys who I've, has been in my radar all year. And I was when I saw him finish second, and he would have, I didn't pick him that week. But it's one of those guys who I hadn't picked that week. And if he'd won, I would have been very annoyed. Much like saying that I was very annoyed with Scott Hend winning last week when I... But <laughs> the one week, you know, one you week I pick didn't him. pick him. <laughs> so Kokrak, he's one of those guys... He's not. He's in a, he's coming to that tournament in, under different pressures to the likes of Fowler and Kucha, who are trying to make sure that they're in the right place for Augusta. Kokrak's just trying to win, yeah, because he hasn't had a win yet, and you know he he wants to get that under his belt. Win on the board, yeah. So uh, twenty-eight to one for my other better tips for the Valero Texas Open, uh, and also my US Masters betting tips. Exciting. Then do Google golf betting tips and you'll find us, or do go to the golf monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk, if you'd like to type in URLs. Um, also, of course, don't forget our social media. We're on Twitter at Golf Monthly, Facebook, Golf Monthly Magazine, uh, Instagram, Golf Monthly. No longer on Google Plus, because I saw that Google Plus has been shut down. Did you see that? I'm afraid, afraid not. We had 95,000 followers on Google Plus and they're now all gone. Never mind. No one was really on I'm board. not entirely sure what Google Plus is. Yeah, I think that's why they shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some other golf happening this week. Not just the Valero Texas Open. There's nothing on the European Tour. There is the Augusta National Women's Open and also the Jordan Mixed Open as well. So these are two new events. The Augusta National Women's Open is for um, amateur, Amateurs, yeah. amateur girls, amateur ladies, Um and they play three, I think two rounds. Two rounds. And then there's a cut, and then they play the final round at Augusta National yeah, itself. They, they also have a practice round the day before. Yeah, so it, a really different kind of event, yeah. which Augusta announced last year to much um, fanfare. Um, obviously, in the past, Augusta seemed to be one of these places, a bit stuffy, a bit behind the times, and this has really opened the doors. Getting you know getting new players in there, especially from the women's game, so it should be really good. Yeah. I hope it gets coverage because yeah. any any extra coverage of Augusta is a good thing in my opinion. I was about to say and it feels like a big deal this because, like for example, they've invited um, Annika Sorenstam, Nancy Lopez, Lorena Ochoa, and Siri Pack to be the honorary starters on the Sunday. No, the sixth, whatever day that is, mm-hmm. and it feels like a big deal. Like for me, it's getting to that stage where it's like, why is there not a women's tournament, a proper like LPGA tournament at Augusta kind of thing? And it appears to be going that way. Touch wood. Yeah, it, hopefully, it, possibly. I mean, it's very hard to to, to guess what Augusta will do. They have obviously their right. own their own ship, and they'll they'll say in the direction that they want to. Yeah. So, it's um, just like Augusta's, I'd watch. Anybody play Augusta? Like it's, the course is the star for me. 
Oh, well, absolutely. I've, I've yeah, every, every, everyone agrees there. I, of course, I can get this in. Oh, like, no. Well done, Sam. I was lucky enough to go to Augusta last year for the Masters. And also, I got drawn out the media balance. So I actually played on the Monday as well. I can't believe I set you up. Uh, no, it's fine. You keep doing that. <laughs> you set them up, I knock them in. And um, it is an incredible place. Um, you think not that long ago, Augusta didn't even allow female members. So for them to suddenly be having uh, you know, a female tournament there is incredible and it's brilliant and it's only going to grow the game which is the whole point of it yeah. um, they do some other th- good things they have they drive pitch and pitch and putt, putt whatever it's called I don't think yeah. I don't think that's exactly what it's called but um, for, for, the, for the best youngsters as well yeah. so they're really Augusta now I think understand that they are so so important in yeah. the game and that they can have such a positive effect on the game yeah. that they're starting to open the doors a little bit more um, and letting these kind of events happen. I mean, let's face it, it's the Augusta National Women's Open. You only get to play in the Augusta National on the final round. So there's a lot of people, who, there's going to be the majority of people who've made the event who won't be actually playing there. But for a first year, first new event, I think it's going to be... Baby steps. Really good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But there's also another event, the Jordan Mixed Open. Now, this is a, fun, a funky one as well. So it's a, a mixture of the LET Tour... Ladies European Tour, the Senior Tour, and the Challenge Tour. So there's three different events all happening over the same course. Again, trying to get as much um, coverage as possible. And it's a bit like what I was saying with the with the match play, what the match play could do. Um, you know, you've got three different events, all which would have pr- pretty small coverage, all which would have pretty low interest, perhaps. But putting them all together... That could be a good thing, couldn't it? Couldn't that be it's something for the future? It's worth yeah. a try, definitely. It'd be interesting to see um, the reception to it like after the tournament, see if it works, if it didn't, that kind of thing. More, I, I feel like more stuff like that needs to happen in tournaments because, um, as you said, growing the game. I know it seems like an empty phrase, but it is important. Yeah, um, and the, the LET obviously have been desperate for for coverage they're struggling to even get tournament and events up and running so yeah. this has been I think a really positive uh, you know thing for, for for the game will it work we don't know we don't know we don't but know. I, as you say I think it's worth a try I don't think there's any harm in doing it and um, I think it's a bit of a shame it's happening the same week as the Augusta National Women's Open and also the week before Augusta yeah. because so much chat is about that now but seems like everybody's minds has gone Okay, it's a now. Yeah, yeah. But we'll wait and see, and um, we'll report back next week. And on next week, it is going to be Masters Week. So we're going to have a special Masters preview. Elliot will be back, probably, if I haven't killed him by then. There'll be my betting tips. We'll also be maybe chatting to, hopefully... Uh, one of the members of staff who's actually over in Augusta to to find out what the uh, what the conditions are like and what the weather's like and stuff like that. So really looking forward to it. Uh, Sam, thanks ever so much for your first podcast. Did you enjoy it? Uh, very much so. There thanks you go. for having me. Good answer. Good answer. I might, might invite you back. Uh, as ever, if you do uh, listen to us on iTunes, do uh, give us a rating and make sure you subscribe to us, whoever your podcast provider is. We're on all kind of podcast providers around the net. Um, do follow us on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook and at Golf Monthly on Instagram and until next week and Augusta um, I'll speak to you then bye bye